You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Episode 7 of the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel, and I'm happy to be with you again this week. Things have changed since a week ago. I am recording from inside my mobile command post. That would be my minivan. And we have a foot of snow on the ground here in southwest Michigan. And it is cold. The temperature is 18 degrees. Now, you might think, gosh, man, that's just terrible. But, you know, one thing that I do to help me survive the long, hard winters, I just hate the winter because, well, it's cold and it's snowy. But what I, one of the things that I do is I'll go ahead and on my iPhone, I'll program the weather uh, app to show me the weather for Michigan, but then also to show me the weather for North Pole, Alaska. And North Pole, Alaska right now is minus 23 degrees. Um, So, hey, we've got that going for us. It's definitely not minus 23 degrees. If we have any listeners in North Pole, Alaska, I send my condolences. I hope that you don't die. Um, from the extreme weather down there. But, hey, we have a great show for you today. This is going to be a fun show, a little bit different. We have George Hill, a.k.a. the Mad Ogre. He is going to be talking about the great zombie apocalypse. Uh, George, I've known him for many years now. He wrote two books, Uprising USA and Uprising UK, all about the great zombie apocalypse. And you think, well, what does that have to do with home defense? Well, hey, you never know, right? You could be attacked in the middle of the night by swarms of brain-dead zombies who want to come in and, and eat your family. So actually, there's more to it than that. If you just stick with us into the second segment, I think you'll understand where we're coming from and where you're going. And uh, just have fun with this one, folks. Um, I had a great time interviewing George, so I think uh, I think you guys will like that. What's been going on in my personal life? Well, let me see. I'd like to say I'm still out there deer hunting every single day because it's still the muzzleloader season, and I'm just so stinking tough that this cold doesn't bother me. But, man, it's supposed to be like 14 degrees tomorrow, and I'm not as tough as I used to be. I'll probably get out a couple more times between now and the end of muzzleloading season. I'm, but, hey, we'll see. What else is going on? Well, let me see. We're getting our, uh, oh, I'm adding a laundry room onto the back of our house. We have this old house. It was built in 1899, and we have five people living there, and it's just too small. So we're adding a laundry room. That will let us move our washer and dryer out of the house back into the laundry room and that free up some space. And then we are remodeling the kitchen. We have to do that because when you walk on the kitchen floor, it kind of moves up and down like the swells on the ocean. So we're thinking maybe we should shore that up. And so that's what we're doing uh, next week. What else do we have going? Oh, just homeschooling as usual. The, The kids are getting smarter by the day. We've been watching a lot of Christmas movies, you know, Die Hard. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, uh, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. We watched that one last night. That's pretty good stuff. Just been having a, a really good time. Um, we are in our winter mode, in our winter routine, where we stay in quite a bit. 
and we just kind of hunker down for about four months here in Michigan. Uh, all you folks in Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, California, I mean, I don't hate you, but oh, how can you be so warm and we just be so cold? It just doesn't seem right, but apparently it is. All right, what are we going to do now? Let's uh, let's talk about some news, but I've got some special news. I'm going to modify the, the news a little bit. Instead of going with uh, Drudge Report, I've got something right now. I'm going I'm to try something different. BearingArms.com. This is a story out of Bakerfield, California. Crying wolf over imagined gun gets senior slain in Bakerfield. Rogelio Cerna is livid today, and he has every right to be. A paranoid woman and her husband in Bakersfield, California, swatted his 73-year-old father to death, falsely reporting to 911 that Francisco Cerna, a man in his in the early stages of dementia, was armed with a revolver. For those of you who don't know what that term swatted means, an anti-gunner will call 911 and then report that there's a person with a gun and that they're afraid and they should come right away. And, of course, when that happens, the police come armed to the teeth with extreme force. And, uh, you know, this will happen um, quite often with open carriers, people who are open carrying. Uh, an anti-gunner will see them open carrying and be offended by that. So they'll call in 911 and say, hey, there's a person at the 7-Eleven with a gun. And... The police will come and they'll slam the open carrier down onto the pavement and handcuff them, throw them in the back of the car, take the weapon. I mean, it just, it's a terrible thing to do to someone, but that is what they do. And this particular, this guy was a 73-year-old man, early stages of dementia. The Bakersfield police officer responded to the call thinking there was a crazy man with a gun because that's what he'd been told from 911 dispatch. The officer fired seven rounds, and the poor old man died just feet from his home. Police searched him for a gun, didn't find anything. All they found on his person was a dark wooden crucifix. Wow. Apparently, uh, the, the old man didn't even own a gun. It was just the neighbors who called in, and either they had a political agenda or they had an axe to grind with the old man. And they just, boy, I think they should be brought up on charges. But in California, I doubt that that will happen. But, hey, that's the way it is. Uh, what else do we have here? Cleveland home invasion shows need for high-capacity magazines. Ah, I thought the government said we don't need high-capacity magazines. Imagine that. Well, I'll take any high-capacity magazine they will give me. All right, what are the details? A homeowner, homeowner in Cleveland managed to go at least two for three against a trio of armed home invaders Monday night, sending one fleeing for his life, one to the hospital, and another one to the morgue. Oh, wow. One person is dead, another injured, and a third person missing after a home invasion in Cleveland early Monday. Dispatch center got a call 12.01 a.m. regarding shots fired at an apartment complex. Officers responded where they found a deceased male, identified as Adam Johnson, 18. Later discovered that the male juvenile who fled the scene had also been shot during the altercation and was transported 
by a private vehicle to Tanova. Well, I think the gist of this story, or the moral of this story, is that, wow, sometimes you do need high-capacity magazines. I mean, if you've got three to five people coming into your house on a home invasion, which is not uncommon, by the way. I mean, if they're coming in to empty your house, it's uh, much easier to do that if you've got three, four, or five people who can carry stuff in and out out to your truck because you want to get in and out fast. Obviously, if there's only one of you or two of you, it's going to take you a lot longer to empty the house of all the valuables. So, yes, Virginia, it's true. You do need high-capacity magazines for home defense. I mean, even your AR-15s, that might seem like an insane overkill to an anti-gunner or some brain-dead legislator, but... The truth is, yeah. I mean, no one ever came out of a gunfight going, oh, man, I I just wish I'd had fewer bullets. That's just, uh, that's not going to happen. So those high-capacity magazines, you got to, if you got a handgun, 15, 17, 19 round magazines, there is some level of comfort and some uh, evidentiary support that you might need those high-capacity magazines. Um, That's one of the downsides to the tactical shotgun for at home. You're, t- you're limited to five to seven rounds while you've got a ton of stopping power. Still, if you've got five attackers, wow, that is going to be tough to defend against. But, uh, yeah, AR-15s, I love them. That's why I've got an AR-15. i got a shotgun. I've got a handgun. They're all right there at my fingertips. And uh, I am ready to use whatever I have to use to do that particular job. I think I like this website, this bearingarms.com. There's another article. I never thought I'd have to shoot somebody, but I'm glad I had my rifle. This was, uh, what, December 7? A 42, a 42-year-old Springfield, Missouri man forced his way into another man's home and learned the hard way that centerfire rifle bullets are barrier blind. <laughs> no kidding. 63-year-old man said his deer rifle saved his life and the lives of two other people Tuesday night after he fatally shot a man who had broken into his house. Mark Glidewell said he never thought he'd have to shoot somebody, but he believes he made the right decision to pull the trigger when he said 42-year-old Charlie Ingram broke a pane of glass and climbed through a window in Glidewell's kitchen. Oh, maybe he just wanted to get warm, and you shot him for that. That is so heartless. Ingram died at the hospital. Wow. Apparently, the guy he shot had been there 10 days prior to this, and he ran him off mere threats, but this time the guy didn't run off. He came back and challenged the guy. That was a fatal mistake. Okay, Glidewell was afraid Ingram would kill him. That's the right thing to say. He broke in through the kitchen window. Um, The old guy saw this. He shot him with a 7-millimeter deer rifle. He said... He said, when I pointed the 7-millimeter deer rifle at him, his eyes got big. Well, go figure. That's called deer-in-the-headlights look. It was a deer rifle. I shouldn't be cold and callous when I talk about this. I'm supposed to feel sorry for the bad guy, but somehow I don't. Okay, the okay. The homeowner pulled the trigger, bullet ripped through a post in the kitchen, struck Ingram, and knocked him back through the window. That's pretty good kinetic energy. I never I never thought I'd have to shoot somebody, but I'm glad I had my rifle, he said. I felt like I had to protect myself and the people in my house. Shooting Ingram was terrible, 
and something I'll have to live with forever. Still, everybody should have a gun at home for protection, he said. I definitely agree with him. All right, this gun was a 7mm Remington Magnum. Wow. Yeah, the only really potential downside, I mean, the greatest strength of that gun is, is, is its penetrating power, and that's also potentially the greatest weakness. You just have to be careful with those uh, high-powered rifles inside a building because you hit drywall, you're going to keep going. You could go through several walls before you stop. So just be careful of that. I mean, that's where the, the shotgun uh, is a little bit better. You get a shotgun with pellets, and you can control the penetration to some extent. But the deer rifles say, hey, man, they're made for penetration. Hey, the gun did its job, and we are happy about that. We're happy that the good guy won and that he's alive, and the bad guy is, well, he's pushing up daisies. All right. Okay, I think that's about it for the news. I, I like that website, BearingArms.com. I'm going to check that out more often, and we'll go over it again next week as well. If you've got some interesting, funny, useful self-defense stories, send them to me at skipcoriel at hotmail.com. That's skipcoriel at hotmail.com, and I'll use them on the air. What else we got? Go ahead, and it's almost Christmas. Go to Amazon.com and check out Civilian Combat, the Concealed Carry book by yours truly. That would be me. And uh, get it for a friend. Get it for yourself. I think you'll enjoy that book. We're going to be right back with George Hill, the Mad Ogre, talking about the great zombie apocalypse. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Phoenix Coriel. Welcome to the home... The French show with Skip Coriel. He's my dad. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriel with the Home Defense Show. We are back. This is our second segment, and we have got a uh, fantastic gentleman um, that, who I've personally known for many years now. His name is George Hill, a.k.a. the Mad Ogre, and he is the author of uh, a series of zombie apocalypse novels. And I told you last week we were going to be talking about 
you know, how to protect your family against the great zombie apocalypse. And I'm true to my word, here we are. George Hill, Matt Ogre, welcome to the Home Defense Show. <laughs> my pleasure. Pleasure and a privilege. That's <laughs> quite an intro there, wasn't it? But you're, you're quite a guy, uh, George. Um, very impressive uh, in person and on the radio. So, um, George, let's start out. Tell us a um, little bit about your, your background, where you came from, where you are now, and, and where you are headed. Well, thank you, Skip. I appreciate the compliment. Well, uh, it all started back when uh, I decided that stealing cars wasn't a good thing to do anymore. And uh, on my 17th birthday, I enlisted into the uh, military. And uh, I ended up going Army because the Army recruiters gave me the best, smoothest lies. So uh, <laughs> in instead of flying helicopters like I wanted to, uh, I ended up in the infantry. So... Uh, <laughs> I did a number of years uh, in the U.S. Army Infantry and uh, uh, then uh, uh, started out with the, uh, what is it called, uh, 11 Bravo Charlie II, which is, uh, sounded great at the time. That's Dragon Gunner. Uh, what it oh. turned out to be in reality was a uh, uh, shooting anti-tank missiles, and they phased that out, and they just said, hey, do you want to do the tow missiles now? And, uh, you know, we had carried the dragons, and everything about the toe was that they're bigger and heavier. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't want to carry those. So I went regular infantry. While all my buddies decided to go toe, they ended up in Humvees, and I ended up in boots. So, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I go from, uh, 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 from wanting to fly helicopters to ending up uh, just a crown pounder. And, uh, you know what, I decided I was going to be the best ground pounder I could be, so ended up embracing the suck and uh, learning a lot about uh, small small unit tactics and coordinating with artillery and, uh, you know, just, you know, being just a good light fighter. That's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, well, small unit. I can relate to that, George, because, you know, I, I went in the Marine Corps, you know, much earlier, back in 1975, and it's like, you go there, you listen to the recruiter lie to you, uh, you know, he's going to make you all these great things, you're going to be a general in fly jets, all this stuff, and then I ended up being a ground pounder, too. <laughs> That's out of sight. The pattern just, just keeps happening over and over again. So, But anyway, hey, we're young, yeah. we're excited, and it turned out to be, a, in retrospect, it's a good experience. It's just like, I'm glad I did that, but I'm equally glad that I never have to do it again kind of a thing. That's <laughs> Well, you know, after I uh, did the military thing, I decided that it was uh, uh, time to go to school, use some GI Bill, and uh, uh, that's when I switched over to the National Guard, and uh, uh, I, I transferred over to the Utah National Guard so I could go to school at the same time. I uh, studied uh, military science at BYU, among other things, such as uh, history and creative writing, and... Uh, uh, I met a beautiful red-headed dancer on the BYU dance team. And uh, to, to make that long story short, we now have six sons. And wow. uh, they're all good shooters in their own rights, and uh, they're good kids. I'm mighty proud of them. Uh, one's in college, taking college classes. Two are down in Brazil uh, serving missions for a church. And uh, the other three are working on their schoolwork right now. Oh, 
That is awesome. So what, what's the age span, the youngest to oldest? Uh, my youngest, he just turned nine years old, and my oldest uh, just recently turned 24 years old. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you've been popping up puppies for quite a while then. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a good family, um, and and they're great. Uh, my twins that are down in Brazil, they're uh, they're 19, and I've got a 17 year old and a son that has recently turned 16 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, Did any of them uh, take on the the military uh, mantle? Uh, no, they're not uh, they're not going in that direction, uh, which is totally fine. The military is not for everybody. Uh, yeah. No, they, uh, they're continuing kind of the way I was before I started getting in trouble and joining the Army. You know, they're artists, they're scientists, uh, scientific minds. They're absolutely brilliant. Uh, my twins, they, I mean, they uh, did private school, and they ended up doing uh, a mechatronics program. So they're building, designing and building robotic satellites. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how, how just how brilliant uh, my boys are. I'm very proud of. Well, them. apparently your wife must be highly intelligent because I bet she trudge. She is. Uh, she's running a, uh, a an educational program uh, here in our local area and uh, is doing a, a wonderful job at it. Fantastic. So um, I can see the military influence obviously in your in your books, Uprising USA and Uprising UK. Um, and my uh, listeners already know that these are zombie apocalypse novels. And in my uh, opinion, boy, they are they are the best zombie apocalypse novels out there because I do not really aspire to that genre. It's not something that that I eat up, you know, no pun intended. But it's uh, I loved reading those books. They were just awesome. The action was incredible. Um, the military. The tactics that you talked about, the armaments, it's like if, if you're a, a military guy, you like military action, man, you will love these books. They are just awesome. But why don't you tell me, let's start out by how did you get interested in zombies of, of all things? Well, it started out, and, and this is kind of funny, it started out as a discussion in a gun form. What would you do if? And that uh -huh. kind of discussion snowballed. And I decided to write it instead of, you know, as a normal post, I decided to put it in a first-person perspective, what would I do? Mm -hmm. And at the time, uh, my late brother, Zachary, who wrote Uprising Italia, the third book in the mm -hmm. series, we were having these discussions, and it started out, we were having this discussion in the truck, um, in, my, in my old Silverado, and that's where the story picks up. The story picks up with me and my brother cruising in my truck, coming out of the Uinta uh, Mountains in Utah and coming into a little town called Vernal, Utah, and that was the reality of where that discussion started. So the book mirrors that discussion, and then it just snowballs from there. And what makes Uprising USA uh, different is that it's not kind of how to survive the zombie apocalypse, such as so many other zombie books and like The Walking Dead, a very popular uh, TV fiction. These guys are fighting every day to just survive. Our take right. is, how do we win this thing? How do we win the zombie apocalypse? And uh, <laughs> we just had a blast writing it. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you watch The Walking Dead, the first episode, 
you know, the, uh, the, the, the sheriff's deputy guy um, walks past all this military equipment. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's seen zombies. He's seen dead people. And there's all this hardware. There was Jeeps. There was a Humvee helicopter and all these crates of equipment and weapons and stuff. And he walks all the way past that and walks down the street, walks all the way home so he can get his little revolver. Yeah. Oh, that about lit my hair on fire. Oh, man. Civilians. Exactly. So in Uprising USA, when our characters um, come across usable hardware, they actually make use of it, and they even go out of their way to go where they can get more of it. Uh, yeah. Because if you're in that situation, it'll link. Yeah, yeah. It's just I love the, the way you guys uh, did that. And, you know, I, I wrote some apocalypse uh, novel series of my own, you know, The God Virus, and I did a similar a similar thing, you know, because, you know, we're both military guys, and it, it just makes sense uh, to do it that way. We have a different mindset. We're warriors, and so we just can't take a back seat to a stinking, you know, brain-eating zombie. But, uh, exactly. yeah, so, you know, Uprising USA, well, let's just, go, just briefly go over the... Uh, the plot line here for Uprising USA so people know what we're talking about. Okay, well, Uprising USA, basically the world kind of is coming to an end because of uh, biological warfare that's kind of run amok. And it starts out with a biological attack that may or may not have been on purpose, uh, but the actuality is uh, uh, the zombie virus gets on a plane from China uh, along with some passengers, some people get bitten, and you know, mid-flight, and uh, people start acting crazy. The plane lands, and and the sick people are kind of escorted off. And but the other people who've been bitten, you know, it, it it snowballs out of control, and and the people are now biting other people, and the zombie virus is spreading, and it spreads exponentially because when you get to a major airport people in that airport are going to all different points of the compass, uh, especially at an international airport. So one airport connects to another airport, that airport connects to others, and pretty soon the virus is now all over the world. And right. within a very short period of time, uh, those viruses just affect and shut down normal society. And it doesn't happen immediately. You know, it does, the power stays on uh, for a while, uh, but then eventually, you know, like what happens in, in Uprising uh, USA, the power goes out. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden people need to know, okay, well, how can we turn the power back on? So in Uprising USA, you've got, okay, well, this power plant is powered by coal. Coal comes in by train. Where did these trains come from? Where's that coal mine? And the characters start putting together networking, kind of trying to rebuild society a little bit at a time, a problem at a time. So they find the coal mine, they get the trains going to move the coal, and then they can get the power back on. And this kind of happens in one area where they create a safe zone in, in Vernal, Utah, and there's other safe zones where other communities have pulled together and, you know, they've kind of controlled their borders. Oh, that's a novel idea. Let's not get the politics. But they controlled their borders 
and uh, keep infected people out. They take care of the infected people that are in, and by taking care of, of course, we mean eliminate. You know, uh, okay. you know, a good shot to the to the brain, destroy the brain. You kill the zombie, burn the body. Zombie, the you know, the virus is now uh, contained in that instance. Okay. So these communities work together, and pretty soon now we have a network of communities, and it starts to rebuild society and. Uh, you know, the main protagonist, I won't uh, give any spoilers, me, ends up becoming the, the governor of Utah and then soon becomes the president of the United States. There's a conflict with uh, China. Uh, Chinese Navy, you know, tries to go on to an, uh, some sort of an offensive. So there is some big military confrontations on that scale as well as the small. All right. Criminal hey, behavior, there's... George, we got, we're, we're running short on time on this segment, um, but I, I want to bring you back for a second segment because we've got a lot more to talk about. Folks, we're talking with uh, George Hill, author of Uprising USA and Uprising UK, zombie apocalypse novels. When we come back, George is going to talk about tactics and armament and how we can protect our families against the great zombie apocalypse. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to my dad. Home Defense Radio Show. You're gonna love it. Merry Christmas from all of us at America's Web Radio. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, folks, we are back on the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel, and we are speaking with author George Hill, author of Uprising USA and Uprising UK, the zombie apocalypse series. George, you talked a little bit about tactics, about how to kill a zombie. Uh, they're nicknamed Zed. What, what is that all about? What is well, that's just the human nature, and especially in the military, to give a nickname to every adversary. So zombie is shortened to Z. But the, the zombie, you know, let's talk a little bit about what a zombie is, and especially what a zombie is uh, in Uprising USA. What it is is a person who's infected with a mix of a virus and bacterial contagion that basically causes some sort of brain death that takes away the person's personality. It, they're no longer there. The person physically died, but the virus takes over, you know, the systems of the body and turns it into a very carnivorous, mindless animal. You know, there's different kinds of zombies. You know, there's the voodoo zombies uh, in some lore, and there's the zombies from witchcraft. My zombies have a biological component based on actual science. I go and actually explain some of that in the second book, Uprising UK. Fairly interesting because everything, you can find all of these things in nature uh, that can cause an actual tangible zombie as in fiction. So we have some fun with that. But uh, the most important thing of that is because we know zombies are not actually real, but it is a training analog for a possible threat that causes a breakdown of society, breakdown of normal services, like being able to turn on a switch and get light, be able to flush a toilet and it be refilled, 
with municipal water, being able to go to the grocery store and get groceries, these kind of things we're used to. But what if those systems, those societal systems break down and stop? Now, even the uh, even Centers for Disease Control has used zombies as an analog for preparation. And it's all tongue-in-cheek, and you know, because nobody believes in zombies, nobody's thinking that they're real, but it's a good analogy for what you might need to do to prepare for yourself, to take care of yourself and your family and your loved. In, in, in Uprising USA, the first thing we need to do is, are we okay? Yes, we're okay. What about our family and our closest friends? Are they okay? And then the main characters go to go rescue family members. And that's an important component. So in your own network, you want to know, okay, are my loved ones okay? Are my good friends, are they okay? And what are we going to do to make sure that they're okay if, if plans fail? Uh, maybe part of your zombie plan is, okay, if these things happen, what are we going to do and how are we going to prepare for it? Everybody needs to have a zombie plan. If you're prepared for zombies, then you're pretty much prepared for any other type of societal collapse. Exactly. Um, just look at uh, the hurricanes that have, that have happened in, in very recent years. You know, in some hurricanes, like we just had one this year, uh, in uh, and then defected quite a bit uh, up and down the East Coast. Power outages, sewage problems, you know, with, with getting clean water. People had to evacuate. All of these things, look in your area, what could possibly go wrong in your local area, and make a plan for that. And you, you just call that, just for fun, your zombie plan. And you can discuss the zombie plan with your family, with kids. Hey, you know, if we have a zombie problem, meaning... Uh, a problem outside of your control. It could be Ferguson-style riots. It could be uh, a hurricane. It could be a tornado. Whatever your zombie situation is, what are your plans to overcome it and prepare for it? Now, with right. zombies, you've got, you know, a monster that you need to shoot and kill. Uh, in some other things, you might need to use weapons to protect your assets, your food supply, your water supply or your place of business, your ranch, your cattle, whatever it is, you need to make those plans. That's your zombie plan. Well, and th there are some similarities there. I mean, when you've got people rioting, when you've got, you know, Islamic uh, jihadists, you know, going on shooting rampages and things like that, any type of societal collapse, it will be very, very similar. So, you know, when 10 people attack your home, at that point, it doesn't matter if they're zombies or if they're... Humans, they have to go well, down. They're liberal protesters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they got to go, they got to go. If your family's threatened, you got to take them down, and you got to take them down real fast. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about headshots with uh, with zombies. Let's move into the home defense scenario, and let's say there's a societal collapse, and you know your your house is being stormed by by 15 people. Are you going to stay with a headshot? Are you going to go center mass? Well, what what was George Hill going to do in a situation <laughs> like that? I'm going to aim center mass in that situation because, uh, you know, unlike a zombie where you just destroyed the brain, if you're able to stop a threat, to prevent that threat from carrying out its actions against you and your loved ones, that's going to be adequate for our purposes. And anything that you'd use in a zombie apocalypse situation can be very handy in societal collapse situation. I am a huge advocate of the 12-gauge shotgun. 
I love the 12 gauge shotgun. It's very versatile. I can hunt food. I can put meat on the table. And I can take care of zombies. I can stop a threat immediately. AR-15 is a fantastic thing. However, depending on what your area of operation is, um, maybe an AR-15 might work perfectly for you. If it does, then absolutely go with the AR-15. If it does not work for you, get a shotgun. A good 12-gauge pump-action shotgun is going to take care of mm-hmm. pretty much any problems from uh, rabbit hummingbirds all the way up to, you know, rampaging elephants. Anything at that point is is going to be uh, be able to be dealt with with a shotgun. Yeah. But tell me about George Hill's favorite home defense gun, side uh, of collapse type armaments. You know, if you know that things are going to go to hell in a handbasket a week from now, what kind of guns are you going to have inside your gun safe when that when that all goes down? Well, I've got. Um you know, my two main long guns, I've got, uh, I've got, of course, my shotgun, which is an 870 pump-action shotgun that was an old police shotgun, and uh, it's gone through some evolutions but is now wearing some beautiful wood stocks. But it has, and what I like about it is that it's got rifle sights, so I can do a buck shot easily, and then I can very precisely place 12-gauge slug ammunition where and where I need it which gives that gun a great deal of versatility. I love my shotgun. The other gun I have is an AR-15 pistol, and that has become uh, a real good go-to gun for me because it's compact, it's lightweight, and it has a high volume of ammunition available for it. So I can feed it from 30-round magazines. I can feed it from 60-round drums, 100-round drums, uh, and everything in between uh, gives me a lot of versatility. And it gives me that accuracy that I need to extend that range out to uh, effectively a good 500, uh, 500 yards, uh, oh, which is probably yeah. adequate for my area of operation. Yeah. But, you know, George, us uh, military guys, I mean, in, infantry, us ground pounders, we went into the military, you know, we learned a skill, a skill set, and then when we came out, it's like, Oh, what kind of job do I get now? I'm going to work for the mafia as a hitman or something. I mean, that's that's about what my choices were. But uh, for for you, what about your your secondary, your your, your sidearm? Maybe the, the the gun that you carry every day right now would that change if we were talking about zombie apocalypse or societal collapse? Well, you know, I'm lucky enough to own a variety of guns that give me some flexibility. Depending on where I'm going and what I'm doing, uh, I might carry uh, a different gun. Normally, I carry a 357 Magnum snub-nosed revolver just because it makes a great concealed carry gun because I've yet to meet any two-legged threat that uh, can shrug off multiple hits from 158-grain 357 Magnum. Yeah. It's pretty much a problem solver. Well, you know, just by the shock wave alone... Um, oh, yeah. people's attention. It's a big gun, no doubt about it. Yeah, it provides a lot of impact force, a lot of penetration, and very reliable expansion. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it is the caliber that basically all self-defense 
calibers are judged by. How does this compare to a 357? Right. Um, so it's a brilliant cartridge, and it's very accurate, which uh, I'm a big stickler on. I love accuracy. In a zombie apocalypse situation or in a civil unrest situation, I'm going to go to something else. I'm going to go to my Beretta 92FS. Ah, the classic. The, it is a classic, uh, but it's like driving a very fast Cadillac. It's got all the performance, you know, like a CTS. It's got all that performance, all that horsepower, all the great handling, but it does it in a very comfortable manner. It's an easy car to drive. The Beretta 92FS, I feel, is an easy gun to shoot well with. So uh, that is one of my favorites. A good analog to that one would be a SIG uh, 226. Great handgun, good capacity, great accuracy, and easy to shoot well with. And that's an important factor, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right on with, with all that. I mean, you, in my uh, opinion, you know, if you're talking about societal collapse, you want to stay with some type of a NATO round simply because you know they're gonna. there's a lot of them out there. Mm -hmm. There are parts. You're going to be able to, to fix the gun if it breaks, things like that. Uh, you don't want to get stuck with a, a, a 41 caliber, uh, you know, handgun at that point. So, yeah, I think you're, you're dead on with that. Um, but well, I know, I know you're accurate. I know you can shoot really well, too. Uh, yeah, I've been an instructor for most of my adult life as well, a firearms instructor. So, uh, you know, uh, speed is one thing, but precision shooting, shoot shot placement, I believe, makes a great difference. When you look at yeah, defensive it's shootings, it's usually one point something rounds, depending on who you talk to. 1.2 rounds, 1.4 rounds, 1.8 rounds is the average. But the, the real consistency in all of that is the one round, the first yeah. round. That first round is what makes or breaks that gunfight, that, that threat situation. You, that first right. shot is your most important. But what I've noticed, so, it doesn't matter how fast you miss <laughs> at all. But, uh, George, uh, when four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriel, and we are back for the final segment on the Home Defense Show. That was great talking to my friend George again. The guy is uh, wild and crazy. Uh, he's a great author. Like he said, it's his writing is literary junk food. But, man, I love junk food. Whether it's words or whether it's real food, I just love it. I'm looking at George's book right now, Uprising USA, The Beginning. On the back it says, 
after a Chinese biological attack leaves 90% of the United States infected by the zombie virus, George Hill, a.k.a. the Mad Ogre, springs to the defense of his country with every manner of firepower known to mankind. George and his allies beat back the zombie hordes, killing hundreds of thousands of the undead beasts in an attempt to save America from extinction. This is what you want to be a part of when the Zed outbreak begins. Awesome. Now, uh, let's take a look at the sequel, Uprising UK, The Ogre King. <laughs> All right, it says... To all of you diehard zombie apocalypse readers, if you love George Hill's first book, Uprising USA, then you'll gush and fawn over the ogre's newest installment in the Uprising series. With every bullet fired, with every explosion, with each Zed that loses its head, humanity comes closer to normalcy and restored dominance. But the ante is raised as the ogre faces even mightier and darker forces than ever before. The zombies have a learning curve, and they are evolving, gathering newer and greater powers, and be prepared for surprises. In Uprising UK, the ogre faces not just the undead, but also the dynamic powers that control and drive them to feed on human flesh. Come to England and fight with the ogre, not just for the right to keep and bear arms, but for the right to survive. Now that makes you want to read the book right there, doesn't it, folks? I read both those books. They were, they were awesome, good escape stuff. And I learned a lot about military firepower, about different models of guns, uh, how they work. It was, just, it was just awesome. You want to check those out. You can get those on Amazon.com, Uprising USA, and Uprising UK by George Hill. But now, maybe you're thinking... Okay, Skip, this is the home defense show. Why are we talking about zombies? Um, newsflash, Skip, they're not real. Well, okay, yeah, they're not real. I, I don't want you to think you're, you're watching that paranormal show, uh, that late night show, uh, Coast to Coast with George Norrie, right? By the way, I was on the Coast to Coast show with George Norrie. I, that thing runs from 1 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I, my first thought was, all right, why do they want me on the show? Am I not being taken seriously? Am I crazy? Am I some lunatic wacko? And I thought, what could I possibly talk about for four solid hours in the middle of the night? I was surprised. The guy who interviewed me, his name was John something, had this really deep boys but we talked for four hours about my novel uh, the god virus uh and prepping basically how to prepare for societal collapse i uh, was a great interview i loved it um but i don't want you guys to think that you know i'm this non-thinking uh brain dead guy myself so let's find out if zombies really are real for example, have there been any real-life zombie attacks? Let's check it out right now. I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to Google that bad boy, real-life zombie attacks, and see what I come up with. Oh, check it out. On YouTube, real-life zombie attack caught on tape. A rare video, it says. 
real-life zombie attack in Miami. It's on tape, so it must be real. Five zombies caught on camera and spotted in real life. That's probably uh, probably on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. 535 zombies. Um, Real-life zombies caught on tape. Boy, look at all these zombie attacks. Two zombie attacks in Texas in two days. Zombie plague spreads. You know, let's open up one of these articles. This cannot be. Here's one. Zombie attack in Walmart. Dread Central. Okay. Hey, if it happened in Walmart, it's got to be real. All right. This is from a reputable news site, dreadcentral.com. Okay. News 8 reports that an unidentified man entered a Tennessee Walmart on Tuesday armed with nothing more than his teeth. Eyewitnesses say the man, who looked like he had been living on the streets, entered the store looking as if he was in a daze. When confronted by a Walmart employee, the homeless man lunged at the victim, sinking his teeth into the employee's arm. Well, that's nothing. When I was growing up, my brothers and sisters would do that all the time. As one of the customers attempted to save the employee, the crazed man bit the shopper in the neck. There were three other men that I saw who ran in to try to save the victims, but then they became victims, said Rachel Stevenson, who was shopping in the store at the time of the incident. Every time someone stepped in to help, he bit them with his teeth. I only got a quick glance, but I swear it looked like he had fangs. It was absolutely terrifying. Walmart shoppers were eventually able to subdue the violent man <laughs> and restrain him until police arrived. In total, six people were bitten, and one was taken to the hospital in critical condition due to a severed artery in the neck. Wow. The attacker, who still had yet, has yet to be identified, is assumed to be homeless and is currently being held at a Tennessee psychiatric hospital. I think that's a really good place for him. All right. Well, hey, dreadcentral.com. Uh, I'm not convinced, folks. I I'm just not convinced. If there were six people bitten and zombie lore is correct, every the, the zombie virus is spread through saliva. So if you bite someone, then they turn into a zombie, right? He bit six people. And... If each one of those bit six more, I mean, it's, it's exponential. Do the math. Um, Tennessee would be overrun by zombies by now, and, and we'd probably all be dead. So I'm not convinced that this is a real phenomenon. However, George Hill does have a point. If you can protect your, your home and your family from the great zombie apocalypse, then you can defend your home and your family against anything. There's not a huge difference between 10 guys invading your home and 10 zombies invading your home. I guess the difference would be it's much easier to defend against real-life humans than against zombies. Because zombies, you've got to make that crucial, difficult headshot with just a regular person, you can double tap center of exposed mass and, hey, it's all good. So, I, you know, but if you, 
you should practice that zombie apocalypse scenario. Be prepared. Because who knows? Maybe Bigfoot is real. Maybe aliens are about to invade uh, your hometown. Who knows? Okay, folks. I can see that not all of you are convinced yet to the reality and the great threat of the zombie apocalypse. So let's take another look here. All right, here's another article. Uh, this one's from a very reputable source, uh, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Real-life zombie attack in California, and it's on video. Quote, he looked like a zombie, 24-year-old Jessica Corrales from Hesperia said. It was mainly grabbing his blood and smacking us, but he would smack it hard in our face and make sure that it rubbed all over us, unquote. Reginald Peralta, 30 from Los Angeles, walked into Hesperia City Hall, bleeding from the head, and started chasing after people. Well, that kind of stuff happens in California all the time. What's the big deal? He cornered two women and a small child when Corrales stepped in. Quote, I just saw my mom with blood on her and my niece. So then I said, okay, somebody needs to do something. So I saw some folding chairs. I picked up the chair and I just started beating him with it, unquote. Now, that's the saddest thing that I've ever heard. You're being chased by a zombie, but you're in California where they don't let you carry a gun. So you have to, you're, you're lowered to picking up a folding chair and beating the man to death or beating him senseless simply because you don't have the right tool for the job. And why is that? Because brain-dead, zombie-like legislators have disarmed the California citizen. If I was in California, I would be outraged. How are you supposed to protect your family and the ones you love against the great zombie apocalypse if you don't have any firepower? How many zombies could you possibly fight off with a folding chair? Thank God there was only one of them. Police have yet to determine if Peralta was on drugs or a real-life zombie. Amazing. Well, folks, if that doesn't convince you, then, <laughs> well, then you're like me. I'm not convinced either, but I do see the humor in it. I see the fun in it. And I do see the value, the instructional value, in using zombies as an instructional training tool for tactics and, and firearms. Above all else, you know, go out and, and get George's books, Uprising USA and Uprising UK. If nothing else, you'll learn a whole heck of a lot about military tactics which and, and firearms, which you can uh, bring into your home defense plan, and you'll get a whole lot of um, good knowledge on how to protect your family, not just from zombies, but from real-life uh, bad guys as well. Okay, folks, that about does it for Episode 7 of the Home Defense Show. Please don't write me off as a total lunatic wacko. Um you know, it's all in fun. We've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff, and I wanted to lighten things up uh, and still stay on the topic of home defense. So 
Oh, and I apologize if any of you are preparing for the great zombie apocalypse and my doubting offends your delicate sense of sensibilities, then I apologize for that. But for all the sane people out there, go ahead and keep training. Next week on the Home Defense Show, we are going to have Larry Pratt, the founder of Gun Owners of America, and we're going to talk about some political stuff about where Trump is heading, what his views and thoughts are on the Second Amendment. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about national reciprocity and where that might head, see if that has a chance. But Larry Pratt, um, he's in the know, and he's a great guy to talk to. So in the meantime, all this week, I want you to stay alert, stay alive, operate at Condition Yellow. Protect your family and all that you love. Oh, and one other thing I almost forgot. As a special Christmas giveaway, the first two people to email me at skipcoriel at hotmail.com, that's skipcoriel at hotmail.com, I will give you free copies of both of George's book, Uprising USA and Uprising UK. Put in the subject line, I am preparing for the zombie apocalypse. All right, folks, God bless you all. Merry Christmas. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.